to the psychotic break. I'm Kimmy. And I'm Maddie, and apparently I have bipolar disorder. (laughs) We might cut that out. I am totally joking. Me and Kimmy had a very interesting discussion before hitting the record button. Uh, In all seriousness, I don't have bipolar disorder, just putting that out there. And I'm a little salty about this. Um, We are talking about a disorder, and it is not bipolar disorder. That'll be for another day. We're talking about OCD, specifically the myths associated with OCD. Yes. Um, A second apology. Um, But uh, OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, Commonly, we see it in the media as something where you fear germs, you're constantly clicking off a light switch a million times or whatever because that is the compulsive need to do it. Um, But we're here to talk about as to why it may be right or why it may be insulting to someone with OCD. For sure. And when talking about OCD, a TV show comes to mind, a favorite of mine growing up, which is called Monk. Not about a monk. The the guy's last name is Monk. And it's a fictional character who lives in San Francisco, went to Berkeley. And he has OCD. He has a whole bunch of other Uh, psychological disorders, but OCD and anxiety are the top ones. And he uses that for good in the show. Again, totally fictional, but imagine a man who is so particular about how things are placed and is so, you know, obsessive and repeatedly doing things that he just notices in the blink of an eye when something is out of place, when there's a runny faucet, when there's the tiniest drop of blood somewhere, because it's imperfect, he will notice it. And that's kind of what they draw upon to make him this great detective. The unfortunate thing is he is, first of all, fictional. Second of (laughs) all, just portraying literally all of the myths of OCD, which we will get into. Oh, yeah. I've, first of all, never heard of the show in my entire life. Old show. It's great. Check it out. I don't know where it's streaming. I think it might be on Prime, like Amazon Prime. So, yeah, check it out. I'm like, I will, because anything in San Francisco obviously interests us. Um, But, yeah, so I guess I think it'd be kind of cool to kind of compare it to the show because I have no reference of Monk and Mm -hmm. the unfortunate news that it's not a monk in San Francisco just living his cool dope (laughs) life fighting crime, (laughs) whatever, I guess. Um, So the O and the C in the OCD. So the O is for the idea of obsessions. It's kind of like, I hate to compare it to a fangirl, but that would be the most like feeling we could use as someone that doesn't have OCD is that you're basically like obsessed with something. And so in this case, 
where it can kind of get skewed is the idea that obsessions are this fixated thought that you have and it is it's something that's intrusive in your brain it's always there however people don't realize that it could be almost similar to schizophrenia where the obsessions can turn very aggressive and that's why it is intrusive and distressing because with schizophrenia at least it once those kind of distressing things come to mind it's really prevalent but in OCD you're still almost self-aware that it's harmful because you are like I don't want to think that and so that's where the compulsions come in where you're trying to suppress these very dark things that come to mind for not only yourself and others so compulsions are that stereotype of things have to be in order in order to put my thoughts at ease it's bringing down these repetitive acts to suppress these really annoying thoughts coming to mind yeah and i guess the reason that there are so many myths about ocd is because the common symptoms are easy to detect For example, a common symptom of OCD would be the fear of germs or contamination. Again, with the obsessive part where you're constantly thinking about it and you physically can't stop. And then the compulsiveness of it, which is where you're doing actions that are repetitive. You are wiping your hands or washing your hands constantly. Um, In in the show, uh, Monk, they actually did portray this really well, where he... Um, I think he shook hands with a a person who was recovering from leprosy and he washed his hands like a hundred times. And that would be something an OCD person with fear of germs would do. Um, Other symptoms that tend to be portrayed in these myths are unwanted (laughs) or forbidden, no, unwanted, forbidden, or taboo (laughs) thoughts involving sex, religion, or harm. Again, as you said, Kimi, aggressive thoughts towards others or self. And another common symptom is having things symmetrical or perfectly in order. And you might hear these things and think, clean freak, OCD must mean a clean freak, which I guess is the number one myth. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. It just tends to be that having OCD would make you more likely to be a clean freak, but it's not the other way around. Clean freaks aren't OCD. Exactly. And I think a good thing to point out, two good points are, one is that these behaviors that we're seeing, like cleaning our hands obsessively, are not necessarily because it's a ritual or something we need to do, but it's because you're trying to relieve yourself of the anxiety of the world and these thoughts and everything. and People don't recognize that people that are hoarders have OCD and we tend to ignore that because they go against this conception that we have to, they are clean freaks. Yeah, I've met a hoarder and it's just interesting to have a conversation with them telling me that they don't, it's not just that they don't want to get rid of things, it's that they can't that they feel this impending doom if they do so, because holding on to it is just, 
it just relieves some of their anxiety of what could happen if they got rid of it. What if they need that later on? And those are thoughts that anyone can have, but with an OCD person, it's just so extreme. It's all they think about. Yeah, like my uncle's a hoarder. And when we were cleaning out his house, I was thinking about the fact that we have an entire hoarders TV show and we don't properly teach anyone how to help someone with OCD that is a hoarder. We're shown that you grab a giant trash can and you throw it out in front of them and tell them, why do you have this newspaper from 1970? Where it it's not recognized that they actually need help and it's something that you would have to really sit down, not something that you can force upon them. Right. And I guess as kind of a segue, what would treatment be for someone with OCD? Um, probably psychotherapies. A lot of CBT because it is a cognitive thing where you have the obsessions but it's a behavioral thing where you have to recognize that you have to throw things out. Sometimes you don't need to wash your hands this many times, but sometimes they allow these compulsions or actions because the obsessions are dark. So you have to add certain behaviors or coping mechanisms to counteract certain obsessions. For sure. CBT or cognitive behavior therapy, which you should definitely listen to our last episode, which talks about it. It helps changing the thoughts and the behaviors, which is honestly well fitting for this disorder, which has the obsessiveness, which is the thought processes and the compulsions, which are the behaviors. So CBT kind of works nicely to help with both of those. So I had another point. Mm, oh, yes. So behavior therapy could also be really helpful, I think, at least for the behavior aspects, where systematic desensitization would probably be beneficial in some sense. As we have stated, a lot of this OCD disorder Wait, I just said disorder twice. OCD. <laughs> oh, okay. So this disorder. <laughs> Man, my, my brain is fried from finals. <laughs> okay, give me a second. Okay, systematic desensitization would work really well for obsessive compulsive disorder because it does deal with a lot of anxiety. And if you had... For example, fear that you left the stove on, which is a common fear for people with OCD. They would constantly be checking it, making sure it's off. And although they know it's off, they've turned it off. It's just constantly in their mind. So a systematic desensitization technique would be to sit with a therapist and first try to imagine the stove. You're not even going up to it. You're not even turning it off. It's not in sight, but you're just imagining it. And perhaps that gives you some anxiety already. And then perhaps in the next session, you're like, okay, think about this stove and think about you walking over to it and turning it off. And then, you know, they, they do the task and it's still anxiety provoking, but a little bit less. It's the next step. 
And then maybe a few sessions down the line, you would go to a stove with your therapist and you would turn it off and then leave the room for a certain amount of time. And then eventually you would ideally be able to just go to the stove, turn it off once, or just check once that it's not on, and then go on with your day. And it's not like it's that easy. It does take a lot of therapy. It does take a lot of practice. But it's my hope that those kind of behaviors can help someone who has these compulsive thoughts. Yeah, that would probably be one of the top contenders because... I can't even imagine how difficult it would be to really test the waters on something that is so intrusive in their brain. And at least in the case of things that are really interfering with their like daily lives, like a stovetop in this scenario, it's, I, it's hard to not agree that what, is on their mind isn't valid that oh if i thought about oh i left the stove on i would completely act the exact same way that and i think that's part of the reason why we have that skewed mentality of if you have a thought constantly on your mind and you have to act on it or you do certain things that's why you are considered It's the term how we always use like, oh, you're OCD in like regular conversations. And I think hearing the perspective of how much work it goes into doing something that seems like a very minimal task puts you into the perspective of maybe not using the term OCD, but oh, maybe I'm anal or neurotic or forgetful, certain things like that and changing the terminology. For sure. And I suppose the only reason that we use OCD so interchangeably is because we all experience a very watered down aspect of OCD. For example, I would consider myself a clean freak. I really like when things are in order and I get annoyed or frustrated when they're not. But I don't have OCD and I would be... What's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it wouldn't be right for me to say, oh, yeah, I'm totally OCD about this because there are people who really do have this, debil- this, de- nah, this, deb- huh. this, yes, <laughs> this, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm getting tripped up on debilitating. Okay, there it is. Um, that's, that's irony. Uh, I, huh. okay. I want to be serious about this because this is a really important topic. This debilitating disorder for people is just so much more extreme than the average person could realize unless they actively do their research or if they know someone. But in a sense, it's a two-way street or not a two-way street, it's a two-sided coin. We can understand OCD in a sense where we do have some behaviors that can be characterized as OCD, but we also have to be able to take a step back and realize, I do not have OCD. I should be mindful of how I use these words because, I mean, this is is a terrible disorder and I, I feel for the people who have it and I genuinely hope that they get help. And just for our listeners, Kimmy, how many people in the U.S. have OCD? 
one in 100 US adults, but I also, when looking up something on the side just now, apparently I've now learned that OCD is stereotypically considered a woman's disease. That's one of the myths. I read somewhere, um, I read for the NIMH that it affects men, women, all races the same. So that's, I, okay, I think the only reason they say that is because people consider being a clean freak an OCD thing, and women do tend to be a clean freak. And just saying, being a clean freak or being, just having cleanliness is a personality trait. It's not a disorder. Disorder and personality trait are very different. Personality trait is something you can change. Disorder is only something you can treat. That was so beautifully said. And I hope that resonates with literally everyone listening because this goes with every disorder that we, I hate to say use universally, but partially do in terms of in our dialogue every day. Yeah. And going back to my comment at the very beginning, uh, the statement that I do not have bipolar disorder, I, I use that as a joke when it's not really something to joke about. I know I don't have that disorder and I hope it acts as an example of what not to do. Yeah, because we can have certain behaviors like some obsessive behaviors like being a clean freak and checking things more than once but that doesn't necessarily mean you have OCD it doesn't necessarily mean you have any disorder and that's the difficulty because something like anxiety disorder is something anxiety is something we all experience so you have to be able to know where to draw the line between just experiencing anxiety and actually having the disorder and I guess it would be helpful to put it out there for anyone who might be worried that they have OCD that there's a very good chance that you don't and you could always get uh, checked out by a doctor they do have tests for these things but to also know that a disorder like OCD does tend to be passed on genetically and for better or for worse, I don't know if that will make anyone nervous if they have OCD people in their family or if it gives them comfort knowing, oh, I don't have any family who has OCD. It's not going to be the case where your family has OCD, so you're going to get OCD or even vice versa, but it might be something to keep in mind. There are external factors that can also cause OCD. I guess, I don't know if it's a virus or if it's just a, um, it, it's a strain of something. It's something that you get from the external environment that impacts your immune system. The name of it is called Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder. Fortunate acronym is PANDAS, which sounds cute, but it really is not. It's an external thing that can get you sick and can honestly like impact your immune system so severely that you can develop OCD because of it. So I can't imagine it's common so you don't have to worry about letting your kid run in the bushes. But it's out there. And now we will be doing the one minute wrap up. 
I will be heads and you will be tails. And it's on you. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is not good for someone who has a fried brain. Every time I say fried, I want to say egg, but that would not be correct. I have a fried egg. You know, maybe my brain is an egg at this point. Okay. All right, we're talking about OCD. Okay, uh, one minute. <laughs> I'm so sorry for our listeners. I'm, I'm trying my best. I really am. Um, okay, so this is our one minute wrap up. I ha- have had the fortune of getting the coins, so I'm going to do our summary. Starting now. Today we talked about OCD, specifically talking a little bit about the myths of OCD. OCD tends to be characterized as clean freak, i.e. the show Monk, Adrian Monk, if you want to look into that character. In reality, OCD is a lot more than just being a clean freak who's afraid of germs and flips light switches more than once. It's an anxiety debilitating disease where you are constantly thinking about these things and you're only doing the repetitive behaviors because you're trying to relieve that anxiety. And just to let you know, you can get uh, OCD in the environment, not very common, uh, through pandas. It's more typically passed on genetically. One in 100 adults in the U.S. have it, and that is OCD. In all seriousness, we hope that this uh, video was informative. Um, I apologize. Well, I guess we both apologize if our our laughter, if our humor has um, kind of uh, put this in bad taste. I I don't know about you, Kimmy, but I I think um, adding humor to a, a topic like this is you know, more beneficial because this is a harder topic to talk about. And I think doing it in a lighthearted way is a good way to not let it be so much of a downer. And it's, it makes the content a little bit more digestible. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoy our humor, um, our genuine uh, fallibilities, if that's a word. We are really grateful for the following we have, and we are really excited to keep putting out content for you guys. So continue to support us on Instagram and listen to us on your Spotify's and uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, We love seeing the numbers, um, mainly just because we are excited about this material, and we really hope that it's spreading some information and a little bit of comedy along the way. With that said, have a great day and goodbye.